Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King. And man, I got a good one for y'all today. If you are a Bills fan, if you are a football fan, I have a special treat for you today. I am being joined by the one and only Mr. Mike Rodak. He used to be the beat reporter for ESPN for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, He now covers... Alabama, roll, t- roll, damn tide. He he covers Alabama down there, and he's uh. We're gonna talk a little bit about Alabama. We're gonna talk about his time with the Buffalo Bills. We're gonna talk about his time with the New England Patriots. But we're also we're just gonna catch up. We're gonna talk about football. We're gonna talk about life, uh, how he's enjoying things. Uh, but I'm a, I'm not even gonna gonna prolong it. I'm not gonna hold it because I'm excited about this one. It's a really really good one. But I need y'all to do me a favor. After you listen to this show today, I need you to go and leave me a review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Do me a favor and leave me a review. If it absolutely sucks, tell me. Spence, it sucks. You need to get better at this. But I would really like to hear some feedback from you guys. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like about the show. Because uh, I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to do this thing so so it's um as perfect as possible for everybody listening. But gonna get right into it ladies and gentlemen jay spence exclusive like i do this is a jay spence exclusive well we have the current beat reporter for alabama for al.com and we have the previous beat reporter for espn for the buffalo bills and once upon a time the new england patriots mr mike rodak how's it going today sir i am doing well thanks for having me on man man i i truly appreciate this this is um this is a treat for me like i told you before we came on I'm not one of the ones, uh, one of the Bills fans who has any animosity towards you. So this is a treat for me. This, this is a good deal. So Fine either way, <laughs> yeah. So let's get right into it, man. Um, one of the first things that I, I try to ask everybody who comes on the show, um, who has a history with the Bills, or even just has a history with the league and kind of knows how, you know, knows how the team has been viewed. Um, so you left prior to like this new regime, kind of like really becoming. A real thing looking back what would you say is the biggest difference between like just obviously they're winning now but aside mm-hmm. from the winning like what's the biggest difference when you look at the teams from then when you were covering them as opposed to now i think competence would be probably the word to start if you wanted to sum it up in one word but they're competent which i think like not to i mean i think doug whaley is a smart guy i think rex ryan's an intelligent person like they're all They've all made it to high levels in the NFL, but to actually put it all together and to have a cohesive plan and to kind of know what you're doing, but also get people to do what you want to do, that's tough to do when you're talking about, you know, 90, 53 to 90 players in a roster and all these coaches and people in the building. And they never were able to do it before then 
But I think having these guys in Buffalo now, they're not just good at football, but they're good at managing a business, really, and, and managing people. Um, so they're competent in that ways, and, and they're able to kind of get everybody on the same page. They know what they want out of their team. Um, they have a vision for for the future, and they're kind of able to bring people together and, and to win games. Um, so they, they've proven that. Um, and that's, that's certainly a great place to start, you know, but I, I do think there's a lot of NFL teams that are capable of doing that. And that was always the biggest knock against the bills was that out of the NFL, I mean, you're talking 32 teams, there's probably 15 to 20, 25 teams that haven't figured out. And there was probably five to 10 that were just perennially just messed up. And the bills were in that category for, for quite some time. Um, but the odds were against it lasting as long as it did. And I think, Finally, they found somebody who can kind of bring them up into that main category of teams that know what they're doing. Maybe you don't win every year. Maybe you don't make the playoffs every year. But, you know, you're kind of at least able to show that you're competent, uh, that you're capable of of being at that level in the NFL. So that's I think that's the biggest quality that they have that's gotten them from from point A to point B. Man, the consistency is off the charts. Like it's completely different. And and like as a fan, looking back on those times, um, it was like every summer, obviously, as a fan, you want it to be positive. And you're like, man, we can't keep being bad this long. So, like, you kind of just feel like law of averages will play right. into your favor. And it just did not, like, at all. Um, so, with that being said, though, like, so for you, at, at, you know, covering the team and um, knowing people who cover teams and doing all that stuff, as a member of the media, um, was it difficult to cover the team? And I mean, like, because the reason why I asked this, obviously, I alluded to the fact, like, sometimes, obviously, Bills fans aren't the most kind, you know, but then aside from that, um, aside from the fans too, sometimes when, when the culture isn't winning or when the, the building isn't happy, it's a tough place to show up to, even if it's just for a couple hours to interview players or to, you know, so was it a tough task for you coming to Buffalo? Um, I mean, it, it depends. Like, I, I don't know if it was consistent because I was there for six years um, and you're talking Doug Marone, starting off with and then all the way through Rex and then Sean's first two years. So it, I guess it's hard to group every year together, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly some days where you could just, it was so much negative energy in the building and sometimes they blame it on you. But I think at the end of the day, like a lot of the times it was just because they were losing and, and things weren't going well. Um, and you know, walking into that building can be tough sometimes just knowing that, you're going to have to ask some questions and you're going to have to walk into the locker room after a loss or, you know, the Monday after a loss back at the facility and going to have to ask questions about things that went wrong or, um, you know, the season in general and or whatever. And you kind of know that you're going to have to take it a little bit, but at the end of the day, that's your job to, to ask those questions. So um, was it tough in that aspect? Yes. But at the end of the day, in this job, you kind of have to treat, every game, every week, every season, the same, um, you know, cause you're not, and that's the biggest thing. I think some people maybe forget as fans is that you're not going with the roller coaster with the team. That's right. your job not to do that. Um, and, and so if the team's losing, if the team's winning, you kind of got it, got to cover it all the same way and approach it the same way. So, um, you got to stay above the fray, I think is, is probably the best yeah, way to yeah. put it. And you know, again, I, is that tough? Is it hard? I mean, some days I think it's difficult just for a composure standpoint, you get to stand in front of somebody and ask them, why did you screw up? Um, but it's something you have to do. 
Yeah. And and I just want to clarify, and I know you answered it properly, but I just want to clarify, I wasn't necessarily asking about um, fans because, right. you know, that is that is what it is in itself. It's But for instance, for me, um, I won't mention names of the company, um, but when I was in Buffalo, there was a specific company I worked for that just wasn't, it just wasn't the best environment for me as a person. And it wasn't anything against like the people, it wasn't, but it just wasn't the right fit. Um, and I say that because it was a culture that didn't breed happiness. So for mm-hmm. me, going somewhere as a happy person in a place that wasn't happy, it just w- didn't work. So that's kind of where I was um, drawing a question. But so now let's fast forward. You went down to Alabama and that is completely different. Like yeah. um, first, aside from leaving Buffalo, um, which at the time wasn't a winning franchise to go into Alabama, who was like basically one of three franchises that went in college or one of two technically, mm-hmm. depending on right. how you want to look at it. Um, what's your experience like there? Like what, you know, in comparison, a direct comparison, like what, what can you say was the major difference going to yeah. Alabama? I mean, it was kind of a tale of two seasons. So this I've, I've covered them for two full seasons. Now this will be my third coming up. The first one was 2019, which was pre COVID last year, obviously was post COVID yeah. or during COVID. Um, and it was totally different experiences covering the team. I mean, I, I'd say from the time everything shut down last March until now, I've been in Tuscaloosa, and I live in Birmingham, which is about an hour away. I've been in Tuscaloosa maybe five times. So to cover a school that's based in Tuscaloosa and plays games in Tuscaloosa and practices to not be there is a little bit weird because everything was on Zoom. All your press conferences, even if you covered a game in person, and I covered a couple games in person, but they only allowed you know one, two people from your outlet – at the actual game, it's still on Zoom. We're not allowed to watch any practice all season long last year. So you're just, you feel like you're so far away from it last year. Yeah. Um, but the first year I was there, yeah, you're, you're much more immersed. You're able to cover practice. Um, you're sitting in, and it's definitely different with Saban than any NFL coach I've covered. I mean, yeah. it, <laughs> it's just the way it's set up. It feels like a classroom because they have like, it's a college at the end of the day. So there's desks and, you're sitting at your desk and then Nick Saban walks in and he's 10 <laughs> feet away from you. And you're asking a question sitting down. It, it's just a little bit different feeling than an NFL coach. And it, it's much more selective. They're much more controlling with who asks questions. And um, it, it's all, they can, they have their own rules. It's not the NFL where there's NFL rules that control everything. Alabama makes its own rules. Nick Saban makes his own rules. Okay. Um, so it's different. You know, you can't talk to freshmen, whereas in the NFL, like you can talk to any rookie you want. You can talk to any player you want. All that's mandated. There's not that sort of rule in college. Um, so you kind of adapt, have to adapt to that. That was, I think, the biggest change for me is you can't, there's no lock, there's no open locker room. You can't walk into a locker room after a game and walk up to any player you want. I mean, they choose three or four guys and believe me, they're not choosing the guy who screwed up. <laughs> so right. <laughs> you're only going to be able to have quotes and talk to somebody who in their mind did something good during the game. So it's a very controlled environment. Um, you kind of have to work around that and there's pros and cons to that. Um, but I enjoy it. You know, it's, it's definitely, it, it's a different atmosphere as I think as passionate as Buffalo is, and it's certainly, I think everybody can agree, like Buffalo is one of the better stadium atmospheres in the NFL. College football is still different, you know, bands and students, and it's just a different environment. Um, and Alabama's, you know, up there in terms of, of good places to watch a game too. 
Let me ask you this, because, you know, you were here when Rex was here in Buffalo and everybody seems to love Rex, like anybody around Rex loves Rex. Is mm-hmm. Nick Saban as as cool as I think he is? Like, you know, on TV, obviously, sometimes it's like you catch him after a bad half or something goes wrong and he's not cool at all. But then like every other time, he just seems like the cool dude that all the players would really love to be around. Is he really that cool? Uh, I think you see it from afar i mean i don't think we see it personally it's i don't think he interacts that way with us i mean there's a couple reporters out there who he knows really well and he's known for a long time and he might be a little bit more chummy with them and i'm certainly not one of them i haven't covered them nearly long enough to do that um but you'll see some videos i mean he has a lake house in georgia where he brings all of his players i think he just did it a couple weeks ago and you know they go tubing on the lake and there's definitely a different side of him but again, he doesn't really show it with us. I mean, he's he's just an intense guy. So he has a radio show that he does weekly, again, pre-COVID, so two years ago. Um, it's in a restaurant in Tuscaloosa. And there's all sorts of fans there. And they have like a weekly media guest. And so I was the guest later in the year. I think it was right after they lost to LSU two years ago. And you know, I'm sitting less than a foot away from him. I mean, we're squeezed into this little table in the front of this restaurant I don't think his legs stopped shaking the entire time. Like this guy is just wired differently and he's going to be 70 years old this year, but he is just constant thinking about winning and thinking about the next thing he has to do and just blocking everything else out. Um, and it, there's like an anxiety there with him, but it's like a good anxiety where I think has, has made him productive and made him successful. And it's really interesting just to, again, I was feeling it because his leg was, a foot away from him <laughs> and you can just feel the energy and, and the tension with him um, and a desire to win. Um, it, it's just really interesting to be around. I'll, I'll put it that way. Well, that's intense. And, and so, I mean, it, you're actually, you actually led me perfectly into a question that I wanted to ask because um, prior to coming on here, I, I DM Bruce and, and Joe Miller and like, Hey guys, anything that you kind of feel like I should ask Mike too. And Bruce wanted to know, like, and obviously we want to be careful with how I ask the question, but as far as um, for you preparation um, and it kind of, it is the same question I asked, but now mm-hmm. it's very specific. Um, what's the difference for you preparing and, and, and working, covering a good team versus a not good team. Now, before it was just like, you mm-hmm. know, the difference in Buffalo to college, but I mean like, okay, the bills weren't good. <laughs> Let's, we could be honest about right. it. They just weren't good. Right. Alabama is great and they've consistently been great. There was a huge difference in that preparation wise. And for you, what, what's what's different about that? It's it's a good question. I would have to think about it. I, I think there's so many storylines in Buffalo that kind of wrote themselves. Like in my first mm-hmm. year, my first training camp, um, Kevin Cobb slipping on the, the rubber mat at St. Yeah. John's Fisher running between practice fields and he hurt his knee. And I mean, and, and not to belittle these people, but like, Cyrus Quandra running naked over a fence. I mean, there's just so many stories. You're just like, man, that's so bizarre. Like, you just can't even, like, you can't even, if you were a movie writer, you can't make up some of these yeah. scripts. Um, and obviously, you know, you feel for some of the people in the situations, but it was just like, it was. <laughs> I don't remember stuff. that. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was, who jumped over and who was, was naked? Was jumped Cyrus Quanjo. Um, I don't remember. Alabama, coincidentally, their second round pick in 2014. And, um, I think it was on uh, the 400 coming out of yeah. the road back to uh, back to Buffalo. And yeah, it was running naked or without pants, I think was the way they, they phrased it in the, the, the police report and jumped over an electric <laughs> fence. And 
it was just stuff like, man, like, again, you, you couldn't make it up. And I, I, half of the examples aren't even coming to my mind, but like there's some random days where I think about it. I'm like, man, like that's a weird story, but there hasn't really been that at Alabama. It's just about winning and you're trying to figure out how do you like restate something that's obvious? Like, all right, Alabama would think 15 and 0, 14 and 0 last year. They had a perfect season and they won. I think it was an average of 35 points a game. Every game was almost the same with you know, very right. few exceptions. It's like, all right, well, what do you write about a team that, Week in and week out, Mac Jones was throwing for 400, 500 yards. Devontae Smith had three touchdowns. Like, it was the same story every week. Now, it was the same story every week in Buffalo, but there was kind of a different twist. Different. Right. So, I guess that's kind of what I'm asking because it's like with a good team, um, you're absolutely right. Like, with a bad team, the stories write themselves. And like you said, it's like, you know, all this happened. Oh, he dropped this. He did that. He did that. But with the same, with Alabama, you're right. Like Mac Jones threw for four touchdowns again. Up, oh, Najee Harris ran over five guys and hurdled another same sure. thing. So it's like, how difficult is it for you as a journalist, as a writer? Right. To well, you almost you, you almost feel the weight of history because, like for instance, Ohio State, Alabama, the national championship this past year, that was Nick Saban's seventh national championship, which is the most all time, and that set the record and. Like, where are the Birmingham News? Or AL.com? Or where are the Birmingham News? Where are the paper of record in Alabama? And this team, this football team that's been around for 100-plus years, and you just had a coach that did something that's never been done in, in, in college football before. And you feel like you need to write about it in a way that 50 years from now, somebody's going to be reading your story and, and saying, you know, here's what happened that day. Um, which I don't know if somebody's going to be reading a story about a, a game that happened for the 2015 bills in December, you know, they, they lose to the Cowboys or beat the Cowboys. I, again, I don't even remember. I remember that Cowboys game at the end of that year, but I'll remember like Alabama, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio state, even Alabama, Old Miss this past year. Like that's part of the perfect season. That's part of history. Like you feel the burden of, of capturing it the right way. I mean, Devonte Smith and all the records he set Najee Harris and the records he set, you're just trying to keep up with it, but you're trying to you're trying to write it in a way that's that's good work, you know. It's just tough. <laughs> it's yeah. just tough because because I mean, like right now, it's still like even for me, and I'm not even I'm nowhere near like a journalist. I'm not on your level, anybody's level, but <laughs> like creating content this time probably. of the year. What, I was gonna say, not, not necessarily the highest uh, rung of society. There's certainly people who have more meaningful jobs than we do as journalists, especially sports well, journalists. But you know what, though, the thing about that and, and then I'll get back like because I'll, I'll transition back to the question. But the, <laughs> the thing about that is I'm starting to look at life completely different. And one of the things okay. that I'm looking at is like just pure happiness. So <laughs> like in terms of importance, like is it more important to me really to make the kind of money that like, for instance, Josh Allen is going to start making soon? Or <laughs> is <laughs> it important to me to really be happy genuinely every single day? And I don't know how much you love Alabama, uh, but like for me, I grew up a Bills fan. So like if I could mm-hmm. ever like really just cover the Bills every day, all day, that's mm-hmm. a dream for me. So so that's what I mean when I say like I'm not on your level. You, this is your job. I'm doing this for fun. Uh, well, Buffalo Rumblings is awesome, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not I'm not working for, you know, Buffalo News or anything. But <laughs> back to the question, I just wanted to throw that out there because yeah, I, I think it's important that people understand, like, you know, uh, what these guys do is important. but everybody sees it differently the reason why i'm trying to be mike and the reason why i'm trying to be uh marcel and whoever else that i've had on here recently 
is because I just absolutely love this and I love the bills. I love what these guys do. So I'm appreciative for you coming on, man. Like I really look up to you for what you do. Honest yep. to God. You got it. Um, Thank you. Uh, Joe. Um, and he's, he's speaking for the fans right now because mm-hmm. I'm, I know you can't quite see the chat. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of people asking a very, very candid question, man. <laughs> I don't know if I want to ask it, but I'm going to ask it. All right. Are you a Patriots fan? <laughs> I mean, I grew up as one. Everybody I think knows that <laughs> being in New England, but I think once you start working in the business and, this will be year 11 for me now, 11 or 12. I'd have to go and count. But like once you start working in it, and I, just as you were mentioning a few seconds ago, like once you're a journalist and it becomes your job and you see the other side of how the NFL works and how college football works in this case, you're not a fan anymore. And that's yeah. all that kind of gets shut off. So the way I kind of put it to people a lot is whether it's the Patriots or Bills or Seattle Mariners or Minnesota Timberwolves or Arizona Coyotes like it's it's a job and yep. you have to approach it the same way and I mean I I got a lot of obviously Bills fans coming after me about the Patriots when I was in Buffalo believe me I also got Patriots fans coming after me about <laughs> the Bills I remember writing a story really Bills, oh yeah when the Bills let Stephon Gilmore walk to the Patriots and the Patriots signed them and then the Bills basically took that money and they went out and they drafted Tredavious White and then they signed Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Um, and they remade that secondary, which was really the strength of that team when they made the playoffs in, in, in 2017. I wrote a story saying it was a good move that the Bills let Gilmore walk and the Bills did what they did. Well, six months later, Patriots fans are all over my mention saying Gilmore just led the Patriots, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever. I'd have to double check the year, but you know, Gilmore was defensive player of the year and all that. And Patriots fans essentially saying, well, obviously the bills made the wrong decision and letting him walk. So I got it on both ends. And then of course, down here, (laughs) some of the emails, like they, they make our emails public on our website, which is not the case at ESPN. So I got a lot more fan mail and down here it's Alabama and Auburn. And so I got Auburn fans coming after me about things I write about Nick Saban. I get Alabama fans coming after me about, things are right about Alabama. And again, it's kind of staying above the fray is, is what you have to do as a journalist and whether I'm covering Alabama or whether I'm, let's say our Auburn guys on vacation and I cover Auburn next week, like you got to approach the job the same way. Man, you're, you're so good at this because you're making this easy for me. You you mentioned (laughs) um, new England, Auburn, all this stuff, dude, is cam going to be cam or is Mac Jones, stepping in this place because we got an Auburn guy and an Alabama guy now fighting for this position and even yep. though Cam is calling them mac and cheese and they friends and he got nicknames and stuff Cam is a he's a he's a guy who wants to be the guy how do you see New England playing out we can kind of get into the AFC East now and kind of transition yeah. there yeah so I guess to preface like I got a limited amount of watching of both Bills and Patriots games last year I mean I watched some of the the primetime games, I would say if it was like a, you know, a regular one o'clock CBS game, it's regional. More often than not, we got the Dolphins down here because of Tua. So we didn't really get too many Patriots games and really get too many Bills games. So I can't say that I watch more than a few for each live. I mean, I obviously follow them a little bit, you know, on Twitter and all that. But so I, I don't have like a, a wide depth of knowledge on, on how you know, what Cam did every single game last year, but it wasn't just from talking to my cousin back in Boston. Um, 
it certainly wasn't anything to write home about um, with him. It wasn't pretty, man. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, but it, it seems like just from reading with, you know, what Patriots writers have written that I follow still, and it seems like the Patriots are still really high on him as an organization, and, and Belichick seems to be really high on him. But how much that actually pans out by September, we'll have to see. I, I, I would Right now, I would expect Cam to start week one, but how long that lasts is anybody's guess. I mean, I, I was always impressed with Mac at Alabama. Um, you know, he was certainly on our radar here a lot earlier than he was the national radar because this was right. the backup who kind of came in when Tua was hurt. Um, but, you know, it's still a transition for him. I think he still has qualities that may or may not translate to the NFL in 2021, meaning, like, is he the right style of quarterback to be – the modern NFL quarterback, the modern NFL starter. I don't know. Um, but I think obviously the Patriots, given the investment that they've made in him, he's going to be starting at some point. It's anybody's guess when. Um, but I think the Patriots in a perfect world, in, in their minds, would probably want to start Cam as, as long as they can, at least this year. Yeah, so I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge college football fan, but mm-hmm. I obviously I know enough about Mac now, especially he's been drafted into our division. From what I've seen and from what I've, you know, now obviously in college, I always felt like college and the NFL were different, not because it's two different leagues, but because I feel like the speed of the game is different. Mm-hmm. The talent level is different. So, of course, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything negative about him. I thought he, he put up numbers that made you say, whoa, this kid should be drafted. But... Right. Do you really think, and, and I feel like you, you're kind of alluding to it, do you think that he fits the mold for what an NFL quarterback is now? I don't I don't see that. He doesn't, no. He doesn't fit what I think you would want if you were to take a pen and paper and draw one up um, and what you would want in, in 2021. I think that's what Trey Lance might be. That's what Lawrence might be. It's what Zach Wilson might be. And that's the reason why those guys got drafted higher. I think Mac fits the mold of maybe a quarterback 10 or 15, 20 years ago, and that's, to the Patriots' credit, that's kind of what they've been running under Brady, and that's the style of quarterback that they've been successful with, and whether that translates going forward, you know, past success doesn't always translate to future results, so we'll have to see on that, but um, that's their offense. I think he fits their offense. I think he fits what they're trying to do. The question is, can he do it to the level that Brady did, and that's obviously an extremely high bar. Um, but if you can do it to a 70, 75, 80% level and, you know, be a Matt Ryan or Eli Manning when Eli Manning was really on his game, like, can he be that sort of quarterback and, and get them to where they need to be? I think he's certainly capable of doing that. Um, but who knows where it actually plays out? And that's kind of the fun part with watching some of these guys is you just don't really know. But he's accurate. I mean, I think his – his best qualities are just moving around in the pocket, going left to right, sensing the pressure, sliding up in the pocket. Um, he didn't get sacked a lot at Alabama. I thought he really managed the offense. Um, I, I, this is the other thing, too. You, you heard a lot in the pre-draft process about he has Devontae Smith, he has this offensive line, he has Najee Harris, he has Jalen Waddle. But the problem was, so they have this five-star freshman, freshman last year, sophomore this year at Alabama from California, Bryce Young quarterback and they would bring him into games when they were up by two or three touchdowns in the second half well the offense didn't run nearly as well nearly as efficiently when Bryce Young was in the game as compared to Mac Jones and I think that 
if you can't take those variables away where, okay, you can't really see Mac without everybody around him. Well, how about everybody around him with a different quarterback and, and kind of look at it from that view. And we saw that last year at Alabama and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of d- delays of game and sacks and, um, I don't know how many drives total there were with, with Bryce Young, but I think maybe they scored one touchdown, two touchdowns at most compared to Mac, where it was like three quarters of the time they were scoring a touchdown when they touched the ball. And I think that's a credit to him. Obviously, there's there's a lot of help that he had in the field, but I think just that fact right there proves that at least he was worth something out there. Well, in his defense for this part of it, I, you know, I'll, I'll take his side because I, I actually hate that argument when people mm-hmm. – take the other side and it's like well yeah look at who he's throwing it to first of all so as a bills fan look at josh allen's rookie year now granted he didn't um he wasn't the most accurate guy as it is like Mm -hmm. coming out of college but the thing is when you have receivers who are dropping balls when you have tight ends who aren't catching at all people can't create separation it's very difficult now three years later he has to find digs and cole beasley and now people are like well yeah he's gonna do that he has to find digs but you can't have it both ways. Like if, if you're upset that he sucked when he didn't have it and now he's better. And so same thing with Mac is what I'm right. saying. Like in college, you look, he, the, the kid went out there and perf- the young man went out there and performed well and yep. he got drafted. I just, um, I guess I just don't see him as being, you know, like the question asked, I don't see him being an NFL ready quarterback, but I don't think cam and I'm a man. It first of all, it hurts me that he's in new England. Like it hurts my <laughs> heart. It hurts my soul that he's in new England. Cause I'm a huge cam fan. Yeah. I actually have have um, both jerseys, the Patriots jerseys, which mm-hmm. shouldn't happen. But I, I don't think he's there either. Like, I don't think his shoulder is what it used to be. I don't you know, I've seen plays now where he's I saw a game, a, a practice, some film from today where he was like just throwing it. No defense, just air. Right. <laughs> and it just did not look. He had like two ducks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the same video. It was it was not pretty. Um, and it's been interesting too, just as a complete aside, just watching the New England media. And I know everybody, you know, talks about Rodak, the guy from New England, but just being <laughs> kind of outside of that for a little while now. Like, I haven't worked there for seven years, eight years now. Um, you kind of, it's funny to watch like mini camp in June and all the ups and downs of, all right, Mac's going to start. Oh, no, Mac's terrible now. Mac's going to start. And it, <laughs> we're analyzing every single thing that happens at practice. And, like I, you know, I've been there again. I've covered the NFL, obviously. Like I understand the the twenty four seven three sixty five nature of it, but um, when you kind of step away and watch from afar, some of the coverage that it gets this time of year, it's a little bit crazy. Um, even Cam's injury, you know, last week, two weeks mm-hmm. ago, whatever it was, and Get a hand injury, yeah, right. The the very detailed diagnosis of what happened with his hand, and again, that's our job. I understand we're journalists. It's just. Um, it, it's breathless, I think is probably the word that I would use with, with some of that. And even down here, you know, like Alabama, that's that's all there is. Like there's no pro sports down here. People don't care about the NFL. Obviously, you know, hockey doesn't matter. People care about baseball a little bit, but it's all about college yeah. football. But even in June, I don't know if we'd have some of the discussions that we would have about, you know, who's going to start three months from now, but that's, that's part of the business and that's part of content and just talking about things and just how it works, I guess. I think it's a little more tough with the NFL too, though, because um, 
a obviously um these guys are getting paid so much to play mm-hmm. so like the stories that come along with just their contracts alone and the expectations right so i think it's there because you're right like when when cam hand when his hand was injured it's like they they wrote like a play-by-play from the finger his pinky finger mm-hmm. hit the <laughs> it was just like oh you covered every single part of it okay yeah. I got you. Yeah. but but yeah i just don't see them i don't see them um I think right now where they are, I think they have a phenomenal team. I think they built a team this off. They paid for a team this off season that um, honestly, if they had a quarterback, I would be nervous. But because of the fact that it's Mac Jones or Cam Newton right now, I don't see it happening. Um, Let's, let's transition again um, to the Mm -hmm. guy who started before Mac Jones down there in Alabama Two was in Miami, man. And, and last year, some of his teammates weren't impressed with them. You know, there were all these anonymous quotes and people saying stuff. I tend to think that, you know, guys come in as a rookie and that's not necessarily who they end up as. So I, I don't want to, you know, kick them out the league already. Right. How do you see Tua? I know you mentioned you got to see him a little bit more often as well down there. How do you see him developing going into, into this year? Yeah, I, I don't think I would give up on him quite yet. I, I think I even saw something today where his record was six and three or seven and three as a starter last year. Yeah, um, right? Yeah, I mean he, it, it by rookie quarterback standards, it wasn't all that bad. It was probably middle of the road um, statistically. And mm-hmm. again, we've all watched like EJ Manuel as a rookie in Buffalo. Like it was a lot better than that. It was a lot better than a lot of rookie seasons that we've seen. So I, I think he's certainly got a chance. It's just there's there's weird. Um, there's just there's things about Tua that are just unorthodox. I mean, he's a lefty. He's shorter. He has the injury history. That's that's a big thing too. Where I, it seemed like he was hampered a little bit by, um, I think it was his ankle towards the end of last year. I think he had a thumb at some point too. And this is a guy who just had multiple hand hand injuries at Alabama, multiple ankle injuries, and then finally had that hip injury and just couldn't stay on the field. Um, so that's I think going to be the biggest thing with him is like, can he stay in one piece? Can he stay healthy? in the NFL, and I think that's still very much a question that's up in the air. And if he can't, then it's probably not going to work out for him. Um, but I, I think he can overcome, again, some of those non-traditional quarterback qualities that he might have just because he's so accurate. Um, and that's yeah. – yeah, I remember talking to Brian Dayball even um, when Dayball just started at Buffalo and we were talking about Alabama before I left. And obviously Dayball had come from Alabama. He had coached to it for a year, and he's talking about – you know, putting a soda can up on a goalpost or whatever, and Tua would sling it and, and nail it. Um, just that good of a quarterback and peripheral vision where Dayball would hold up numbers, you know, on the outside of, of the field and Tua could read them. So he's he's got some skills. I think, you know, there's probably just that he's a five-star quarterback from Hawaii. Like there was always – the road was always kind of paved with gold for him. Um there's always these expectations with him and his family is very close to, I mean, at Alabama, they were always around. We'd see him in the facility. There's just, I think, a, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being Tua. And I think there's, there's probably um, an element where he just has to kind of be himself and just do his own thing a little bit. Um, you know, I, I haven't been up close with him in Miami to really say like how he is around his teammates. I think from my one year of covering him at Alabama, I think his teammates liked him. Um, but he's he's got that sort of laid back quality to him where, you know, Max a little bit different. I think Max intense. Max like nice, but I think Max a really tough competitor. And mm-hmm. when he's out in the field, like he really wants to go out and beat you. I think Tua's 
in, in some ways the same, but you know, you heard that coming in in the pre-draft process with him with Tua. I think people compared him to Marcus Mariota and maybe a little bit too relaxed, too laid back. Again, I haven't been up close with him in Miami to really know, but I, I think if it would go wrong with him, that's that's might contribute to it a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you're a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback. I think whether you're nice or not, yeah. look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's I think there's obviously issues with that personality and, and the way things are going in Green Bay. But he's a good quarterback, and he's out in the field. It doesn't really matter what sort of guy he might be behind the scenes. The only thing about the Tua situation that I dislike as far as like his teammates and stuff, like the anonymous quotes, like mm-hmm. put your name on it. You know, like if, if we're in this locker room together and you're less than impressed with what I'm doing, fine. Come talk to me. Tell me like, yo, step it up, bro, or whatever, like whatever the conversations are. But right. but to go and talk to journalists and say, hey, keep my name out of it. But this is how we feel. I, I just think that that's I think it's soft. And I guess. I'm a Bills fan, though, you know, and I'm talking about Miami players. I'm like, it's soft. They talk about their quarterback. Um, but that's the part about it I don't like. But I, I think Miami, similar to New England, I think they have a heck of a roster, man. I think their coach is very good. I love Brian Flores. I think he's I think he's solid. And if if the ownership down there is smart, they'll keep him down there for a while. And I think he can build something. But again, are we ready to believe in Tua or should Miami be ready to believe in Tua? Yeah, I think they, they sort of have to for now. And it was weird, too, this offseason because it seemed like they were flirting with not believing in him and they were talking about Deshaun Watson or you know trading the pick to Houston, whatever the That's case crazy. may be. It was probably a little bit soon on that, you know, the investment that they made in Tua last year just to give up that quickly. Um, but, you know, it, it, things move quickly in the NFL. With that said, like, yeah, I, I haven't really been one to really criticize teams too much for – hedging their bets at quarterback a little bit, but you know, they got to give him at least one more year, just given what he did as a rookie, I think was acceptable. I think that was at baseline pretty decent for, for a rookie. Um, but he's got to take a big step forward this year. I don't, it's not like they have fit still where they can kind of do this seesaw, whatever you want to call it, you know, playing one and then the other, like it's, it's probably going to be two out there and um, sink or swim at this point. As much as I love Fitzy, and you know, every Bills fan probably still feels the same about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I hated the fact that they were like, basically, they made two a yo-yo. Like they put him in, yeah. took him out, put him in, took him out. It's like, come on, man! Like you, you drafted this guy where you drafted him. You, you like put him in there. If you feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win the football game, start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, and maybe, maybe I'm um like old school in that mentality, uh, but I just feel like. You you have a game plan and you go into the game with your game plan and you play you work that game plan. Right. I just I don't understand the you know, because it, it's a completely different offense when Fitz is in there. So like everything changes. And I just did not understand it. And I actually one of my friends, um, I was in fantasy football trying to make a trade and I actually have Tua. And he was saying, like, well, I would take Tua, but I think they're probably gonna do the same thing this year because they got uh Jacoby Brissett and I'm like well no that's not happening with Brissett but the fact that it happened it makes people nervous about Tua and it's like no Tua's the starter this year for sure right well it's weird too with Fitz because like nothing against Fitz but that's sort of what happens with him like no matter where he goes whether it's the Jets or um, you know Washington now I'm sure it'll happen to some degree it happened with the Dolphins it happened to 15 other teams that he's played for like he comes in there and he's good enough where you kind of want to start him for a few more games and see what happens. And he has these great games and you're thinking about making the playoffs and 
then there's that typical Fitz game where everything kind of falls apart and he throws four picks and everything just sort of comes crashing down and it just happens year in, year out. And at the end of the day, it probably sets back those teams because they're not putting their young quarterback on the field that they kind of have that crutch with Fitz where they want to use him. And he's a, you know, probably one of the better backups in the league still. And it's like Nick Foles, even, you know, it's at the end of the day, I don't know if, if starting and obviously there's injury aspects there with, with the Eagles, but like having Nick Foles, does that help Carson Wentz in the long term? Does that hurt him? It's, it's a nice backup plan to have, but if you're, if you're having to go to your backup plan, at quarterback, that means, your plan A isn't really working and that's what's going to get people fired at the end of the day. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just, um, I don't know. I just think that I think it's wrong to do and not, not even in the sense of like hurting people's feelings or anything like that. Like these are grown right. men. I don't care about the feelings, but if you're going to, if to be a winner, I just think that consistency matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the, the absolute smallest level of that all the way to the highest level of that, I think that you have to be consistent. And when you're, you can't be consistent if you're switching your offense, like in the, in right. the game. So I just, you know, that, that was a, that was a deal to me. But um, lastly about the AFC East. So now the jets got a new quarterback too. They traded Sam Darnold out, which I think is a good thing for him. Um, I, I think he'll do better in Carolina. I really do. But the jets got a new quarterback as well. They got a new coach. Um, how do you see, how do you see the direction that the Jets are going in? Do you think this is a, like they finally might be turning the corner here, or do you still kind of think it's uh, more of the same old Jets that we've been seeing? Uh, that's what I thought. What year was it? They all kind of blend in now. It was, the end, it was when Darnold had a couple good games against the Bills. There was a one in, in Orchard Park towards the end of, I think it was my last year, 2018, where did he beat the Bills? I forget. But he had a really good game. You're like, man, like maybe he's pulling it together. And um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't. It didn't come together the way that maybe I, I thought it would have for the Jets, and that's obviously been a story for a lot of different coaches and and GMs there for a while. Um, as far as Zach Wilson, like I'll be honest, I have not watched him. And as much as like I'm trying to learn college football, like you mentioned before, like you're not a big college football guy. I'm not either. I didn't grow up as one. Um, but obviously down here, it's 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 religion. It's everybody's yeah. lifeblood. Um, so I tried to get into it and there was a few games. If you remember last year, everything got screwed up with college football where the SEC didn't start until the end of September. Right. And, but yeah. BYU kind of had to make their schedule on the fly and they were playing games like Labor Day weekend. And so there was a lot of Zach Wilson games on, you know, this first couple of weeks of September. And there was part of me, I was like, man, I should really like get to learn college football and be a diehard and sit on my couch and watch <laughs> BYU whoever I you know coastal Carolina whatever it was towards the beginning I was towards the end of the year but whoever BYU played in September and I, I just couldn't do it um I'll, I'll admit that I just couldn't do it so I, I really haven't watched Zach Wilson but I, I'm interested to see him I'm sure he's going to start at some point and it seems like the Jets are just trying whatever sticks I don't know if it'll work for him yeah. but it seems like maybe they're better than last year and that's progress on their end but I, I don't know if we're talking about them as uh contenders in the AFC East by any means no I, I don't think that they're um and, and this isn't Bill's hate this is just honest to God truth I, I don't think that they made um enough changes to improve and they have several holes and that like it wasn't just the quarterback it was a lot and right. um you just can't do that with one draft and you can't do that with you know one class of free agents you actually have to build and um, I think I think if the if this coach is good, which I think he is, uh, you know, I think it's going to take them 
two or three years to kind of start getting in those conversations as being, you know, some type of real contenders. Right. And I, I've covered some bad Jets games too. I'll mention that. I remember covering yeah. a fumble game uh, against. Oh, the you you were you were there. I was there, and then two years later, I was in Detroit for that rescheduled Bills Jets game after the um, snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And I yep. I want to remember. I want to say that the Bills annihilated them in that game. It was, Wasn't that like a color rush game too or something like that? It, I feel like yeah, well, that might have been the next year. Um, but there's this, man, there's some, even the Bills, like even in their bad years, they seem to play really well against the AFC East. Besides the Patriots. So the, the, basically yeah. the Dolphins and, and the Jets, they, they had a really good record against them. Um, and there's some games where they just killed the Jets. I don't know what it is. I, I've just watched a lot of bad Jets football over the years and, I don't know if that's really going to change. Let me ask you this, man, because you're now that you said that. You, so you covered the butt fumble. You were here when we had guys butt naked jumping over fences. <laughs> you covered like the <laughs> Kevin Cobb, uh, the the knee injury slipping on the mat. Yeah. What has been like the wildest coverage? Like what what's your wildest story in memory from either the, the Bills, Patriots or even now in Alabama? <laughs> like because that you have to have like a wild yeah. set. It, like I mentioned, it's, it's funny because like I have this list in my head, but like, I forget half of it, like on the fly, I'll just be in the shower randomly and remember some, some story that I covered and like, man, that was kind of weird. Like I said before, um, man, I, I, again, off the top of my head, I, it's probably one of those that I mentioned earlier, but, um, probably something with Marone or Rex. I mean, Rex and the Trump rally, <laughs> Rex jumping out of an airplane, uh, I forgot about Rex in the Trump right. rally, man. Rex yeah. was everywhere. <laughs> he was. Rex was everywhere, man. Literally everywhere. Yeah. The that, bike that with was, his brother. <laughs> right. That was a fun, weird couple of years with that. And again, I, I'll get off this tonight. I'll remember six other stories that yeah. trump that, you know, no pun intended. But I, I wish I had something <laughs> on top of my head right now. Well, I'll, I'll have to follow up on you with that one day and I have to tweet it out like, well, no, this is what his favorite one was. Um, so we just went through the AFC East quarterbacks, except for except for our guy. So uh, when you left, Josh was like coming in like, you know, he was coming in basically. Yep. when he so his rookie year, when we drafted him, I was not a fan. You know, I I wanted Lamar Jackson based on the team that we had. Like we had Tyrod. So in my mind, I thought I thought he was like a better version, like a younger, better version of what Tyra was. So mm-hmm. that's, I didn't want to change anything. I'm glad I was wrong, but, <laughs> um, so this is a two part question. One, were you kind of like me where you felt like the bills really don't need another raw talent. Like they need somebody who can come in and start winning some games. A and then B, are you as amazed as the rest of the world is? Cause it's like, I think Mel Kuyper jr. Is the only one that, that can really say like, no, I had this guy, as my number one guy, you all were wrong. Like, how do you feel about him now? Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with the first part. Like, I always, like with Josh specifically, I really tried to, like, stay away from making any declarative statements about him when he was coming out. I remember my reaction story, whatever you want to call it, was just, you know, the Bills fans at the draft party kind of expecting Josh Rosen instead um, and getting the other Josh. And that was certainly true at the time. I think a lot of people wanted Josh Rosen. Yeah, instead of instead of Josh Allen, but 
I don't think I ever really said one way or the other, like, is he going to be good? I, I think that I certainly said there's potential there. And so in that sense, am I surprised? Actually, no, because I think the potential is always there. Like, I think if you draw, if you draft the Josh Allen, you're hoping that it turns out and you hit the lottery and he becomes everything that you wanted him to be, that everything that you think he's capable of being, which given his height, size, arm strength, like that's the raw ingredients are there. Um, so I'm not surprised in, in that sense. And I honestly, like, with with him, you know, in terms of taking the safe route or whatever, uh, like, I was always a little bit maybe more down on Tyrod than other people were um, just because I didn't think they were going anywhere with him. Even that 2017 year where they made the playoffs, like, just didn't really see it. And people killed Sean for the Peterman game, and maybe rightfully so, mm-hmm. given where they were in the season. I but I don't idea. think it was rightfully so. No, I, I don't think it was rightfully so. When you have the game that Tyrod mm-hmm. had the week before, right. you deserve to be benched. And I'm a right. Tyrod guy. Like, I love Tyrod. That was right. a horrible game. Right. I, I, I guess that's where I was going with it. Like, I think you had to try something different with yeah. him. Um, now, with a winning record or wherever they were, maybe one game over 500, I forget, was that the exact game where you, you're supposed to make that decision? That can be debated, but I think trying something different at quarterback was what they had to do. Um, and again, it's one of those things where like people forget sometimes, but a lot of people like Tyrod Taylor here, here meaning Buffalo. A lot of people like EJ Manuel his first year. And I mean, I remember the Bills website had a comparison between EJ Manuel's first X games and Cam Newton's first X games and the stats were similar. I think they're trying to make the argument that they were the same. And obviously it didn't work out. Like EJ went one direction, Cam went the other direction with his career. Um, but people at that time thought that EJ was going to be something. And they came after me for maybe saying he wasn't going to be. Same thing with Tyrod. Um, but I, I, I had, like, I always thought that they should have taken a swing at quarterback. And I think that ended up being the right swing to take. I think they made the right moves to move up in the draft with that kind of intermediate trade they made with the Bengals and then mm-hmm. um, going up a step further. So, yeah, it certainly worked out for him. Um, well, I'll be honest with you. I was yeah. mad at you about the the, um, the EJ take because <laughs> I liked EJ. I was. I was mad at you about that. But only guy. because well and that's think that's the thing like he was a right. really he was this or is a super good guy mm-hmm. and it was easy to fall in love with you know and right. but then even outside of that i i don't think that he played he wasn't he wasn't cam but he also wasn't right. um a lot of other guys that we made comparisons to but the thing is i do feel like he was he had a positive trajectory prior to his knee injury and mm-hmm. i think that doug marone completely ruined him and i watched a um i think it was i think it was the eric wood podcast last summer and EJ was on there and EJ was talking about how, you know, when Marone benched him, um, it, it basically like ruined all his confidence. And like he almost didn't even want to play football anymore. He wanted to quit and he had so many different things going on. So it was like for me when I started to see those takes and it was like, no, nah, man, y'all ruined, y'all ruined my guy EJ. So so I, I have to admit, I was kind of mad at you with that one. But <laughs> well, I, but it no, kind of goes he, back. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of goes back to like what we were saying at the very beginning where if you want to be successful as a team, you kind of have to have everybody on the same page. I think at that point in Doug Marone's tenure, yeah, he was probably looking out for EJ a little bit. I think he had told people at the time that if he, if he didn't bench EJ when he did, that EJ would have been done, which he ended up being done anyway, but he would have been really done if he had waited even longer. Um, mm-hmm. 
But at the same, Doug was, I think, was trying to worry about Doug for a little while there. And that was in the middle of the Bills' ownership change and everything that went along with that. And that 2014 season was was a wild ride. Um, and obviously everything, I mean, there's maybe your story of things that I've covered. Your, your coach quitting on New Year's Eve at 8 o'clock. Um, that might be up there with the top five moments, but like Doug was worried about his own career and, and kind of his own, his own deal. And you don't get everybody kind of rowing the same boat. So, well, that's smart. Yeah. That's smart. I right. And that, that's the NFL. It will eat you alive and it's hard to blame people for it. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, your Doug Marone is back with me in Alabama. So yeah. <laughs> the offensive line coach <laughs> here. So yeah, how was that? Really man? Like, I, I haven't I, again because we haven't been with practice or anything. Oh, had interactions with him. Yeah, but I uh, you know I look forward to seeing him next time. It, it was he was always nice too. Like we saw him when he was the Jaguars coach, um, and then he would be at the owners' meetings, you know, mm-hmm. where the Bills had their table for breakfast, and then the Jaguars had their table with the media. I remember one time Doug getting his plate of food and coming over and saying hi to all of us, and yeah, I, it's. It's it's a business, you know, to these guys too. Like it's not just with the the, the team that's on the front of your shirt. Um, so that's that's Doug. But again, I'm I'm happy to see him down here soon. <laughs> All right, well, man, um, we're we're rounding out this hour here, and I, so again, I want to thank you for doing this with me, man, because this is this is um this has been fun for me. Like it's been good football talk. It hasn't <laughs> been all geared towards the Bills, and it's been you know some college here, some other teams. So this has been fun for me. Um, before I let you go, I, I, I was trying to scroll through the comments here to see if there were any exact questions for you that we could, you know, ask mm-hmm. that would be good. I see more just comments, more so than questions. So I'll let everybody, you know, hey, guys, we got about six minutes where you can um, shoot Mike a question if you have anything good for him. I'm not putting up anything crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so while we're waiting on people to kind of get involved here, I did want to ask you. Um, so aside from the memories of craziness and all that. Yep. I always also ask after people leave Buffalo, what is your when you do go back to Buffalo or if you go back to Buffalo to visit, which wing spot are you going to? So I'll be there in um, three weeks from Wednesday. OK, Buffalo from the first time since I left. Since you left. Okay. Of COVID, I couldn't really travel last year, but I'll be there in July. And uh, Elmo's is 100 percent the spot. And uh, so if you're living in Buffalo, I'm sure one of these nights upcoming in july you might see me out there so definitely elmo's uh i mean I, bar bill's great too i, I can't mm-hmm. say that i ventured to too many other plateau not 11 tavern certainly people seem to like um i mean i've been to duff's i think duff's were good but there's better sorry duff's but just the way it is and it seems like there's different places that kind of pop up and start to get some traction out there too but I, I have a hard time going anywhere other than Elmo's. That was the very last night I was in Buffalo. I went there and I can assure you that the first night I'm back, that I will also be there. <laughs> All right. Well, I just, I always ask that because it, I get different answers. And, and mm-hmm. the reason why I ask it is because it's really the capital of the world, man. Like you, you can go to 80 different places and not be disappointed. And I just think that's beautiful. Right. Well, believe um, me, anytime I, I tell somebody down here that I moved from Buffalo, it's either, what do you think about the snow or, you know, what'd you think about the wings? So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of well, those. The snow, the snow is the bad, it's the bad conversation. And right. then the wings are like, yeah, well, they got the best one. Uh, right. I had a moment here wants to know, was Tom Brady close with the players or coaches or is it like a facade? Um, I think, 
so when I was there, it was kind of the middle of his tenure, and I think okay. it was starting to drift away. Like I think early on, he was definitely close with those guys because he was the same age as them or even younger. Uh, but I think as he got older, it, it really became like Tom and then the rest of the team. And that's even going past when I covered them. Like I think the last five, six, seven years that he was there, especially with the receivers, like they would bring in a young receiver and just if he didn't like them, then he would just toss them aside. And that was kind of their issue because yeah. he was relying on Gronk and Edelman and, and literally until both of those guys' wheels fell off and they just couldn't develop anybody else at that position or those positions um and I, I i would lay some of that blame on tom i think if you ask people who are more plugged into new england these days like they'd probably agree like especially when he was late 30s early 40s i mean it, it's tough for him to associate or to kind of you know what i mean like gel with some of those younger guys who come in and there's just that aura of here's tom brady i need to make tom brady happy and yeah i think there's definitely this part of him just as a celebrity too i remember being at it was like a charity bike race he had and on cape cod and there's all sorts of kids around and i think it started pouring rain so we're all like standing under this tent it was me tom brady and a bunch of kids you know taking part in this event and he ended up just bolting out of there and having to run into his car and, and get away i think there's this part of that that's there's a celebrity like there's a different quality to them um well, yeah develop the expectations are different yeah you right. can't like he can't just be free like me because right it's <laughs> like being can't do it. you know you can't be down yeah. to earth when everybody's going to swarm you for an autograph or everybody's going to want to take a picture with you it's it's just the downside of, of where he's at in his career i guess i'll be honest with you and uh, i get i got beat up for saying this man i got a man crush on him now like down there in tampa He's like the most fun dude. Like, I just love him so much. Last year, um, his social media stuff, like when when they showed him throwing the football with uh, Drew Brees' kids and um, after their last time playing each other and then the jokes that he does on Twitter and Instagram, he's just like an all-around, he just seems like a fun dude. And it's just like, man, it sucks that I had to hate him for 17 years. Yeah, and I think just having kids probably changes that. And that's mm -hmm. typical in any walk of life. It's true in my case too where i think having a kid as i do now like changes your perspective on a lot of things um in work and in life in general so that's it's probably been a good thing for him i'd say yeah yeah well listen man uh now questions are coming in but but the, the time has run out for us so <laughs> unfortunately uh we're not gonna be able to get to him but what i'll do is um i'll, I'll shoot you an email at some point later on and, and yeah. see if we can get you back on for another time and, yeah. and that time can just be a a straight Q and A for for people, and we can just talk. I'm down. Uh, but before I let you go, well, yeah, that'd be fun. I'm, and actually, what I'll do is, I, I know, um, you know, Matt and Ryan. So I'll try to get up. I'll, we could just do like a fun thing, just get everybody in here. Mm -hmm. um, but um, before I let you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? If you got any um stories that you that you just put out, or that any big stories you got coming Not out. This, week. <laughs> this is luckily the uh, the time of the year where it's it's really slow, and you're just trying to enjoy the slowness of it all. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's al.com. Like I said, it's the Birmingham News. It's the, the main um, paper down here. And uh, obviously, you can still find me on Twitter if you if you so choose. And I'm sure you can find me at Mike Rodak. But I've definitely lost some followers. Not that I pay too close attention to it. But I'm sure that tweeting about Alabama baseball and softball and <laughs> Nate Oates basketball um, down here probably is. I love uh, Nate Oates down there. I yeah, love him down there. Yeah, he's been great. Yeah. Been great. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that it's not a 
the most appealing content for people back in Buffalo. Okay, well, uh, you know what though? You'll be shocked. There's a lot of Bama fans in Buffalo, which I, I had again. I'm not a college fan, so I'm like, I don't understand where all of these, um, you know, people people are so loyal to these college teams that they never went to, they never like they never even visited. You've never been to Alabama, but you just love the. But it's a, it's a thing. You're right. It's a religion to people. My one of my I think it was my last week in Buffalo. I went to um, the public house on the lake, you know, in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And standing outside the front door was a couple both wearing Alabama, you know, gear. Um, and I asked them where they're from, and they're from right outside of Tuscaloosa. I'm like, oh, I'm actually moving down there next week. So nice. you see them everywhere. I mean, they're they're certainly everywhere. I mean, you see Bills fans everywhere. You see Bills fans down here. I was driving a couple months ago with a behind a, a guy with a Bills sticker on his car. There's a Bills backers bar in Birmingham. So mm-hmm. kind of goes both ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, Bills Mafia. We we uh we try to take over everywhere, but but I, I do think college right now. When I just when I watch it, I do think that that the love for college it does uh, tend to surpass the NFL love that I've seen. Yeah, it's just yeah. wild. It's different, right? It, it's it's you know part of it's the alma mater, part of it's just it's tradition. You know, it's state pride. It, it's all those things kind of coming together. Whereas I think people down here view the NFL as being very corporate and stuffy and the stadiums um you know don't, don't have the same atmosphere obviously buffalo is kind of an exception i think for that um, but it's true in a lot of other cases just having been to most nfl stadiums and having been to five or six sec stadiums now like it's it's definitely different um but i don't know if i like one or the other you know above above the other yeah well there you have it ladies and gentlemen the man the one and only mr mike rodak joined me for the last hour and I had a ball ladies and gentlemen please go find him go check out his work um and I hope I hope a lot of you can forgive him in your heart you see he's a great guy to talk to I enjoyed this hour and y'all know how I do it over here at the code of conduct man y'all can find me every Monday night like this doing this show here for you live on the YouTube network over here with Buffalo rumblings uh and then the show will be live tomorrow as a podcast on Spotify iTunes and all those other places you can find them hey love each other take care of each other and live in peace and as always stay positive test negative go bills let's go 